you may be seated. I just wanted, I just love the keys. And uh, are you hungry for him today? Are you hungry for him? Because I can't give you anything, <laughs> but he can give you, but he can give it to you. And the Holy Spirit is my friend and my helper, and he can give it to you. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Well, I want to go to the, to the uh, gospel according to Matthew, chapter 14, 12 to 36. Um, I'm just going to ask you to stand one more time with me. And I want you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And the reason that we're going to do this is because I think the Lord wants to just create a shift in the body of Christ. We have become too loose. We, we have become unanchored from the Word. And the Lord wants us to be grounded in the Word of God. And so um, we're just going to read the, read the Word of God and God will bless it. Uh, well, I, at least I believe that. But okay, verse 22, immediately, everyone say immediately. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain to pray, to him, uh, to pray himself or by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land and beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Everyone say immediately. Immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. And when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus, there's that word again. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, worshipped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent all around through the region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many touched the fringe, uh, as many touched it, were made well. May God bless the reading of his word. Father, we just pray today that the word of God would go forth and produce fruit in our lives. I bind the enemy who would come to steal the word from listeners and hearers today, that God, we would become a people in whom there is much fruit. In Jesus' name, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. So if you track through Matthew's gospel, you'll see there's two significant events before Jesus uh, gets to this kind of part of the story, before we get to this part of Matthew 14. The first is that John the Baptist, John the, Baptist the cousin of Jesus, has been locked away and beheaded beheaded for confronting sexual preference. This is the ministry of someone who is going to prepare the way of the Lord. And I want to tell you that if you want to prepare a way for God in your life, you will not lock away the message of confronting sexual preferences and issues. The Lord wants to touch that area. And that's one of the key messages and markers that the Lord will begin to touch when He begins to move on your life. We are to be marked for the Lord. But John the Baptist has been locked away. He's been beheaded. Jesus hears about this, and he goes into, he, he 
goes onto a boat in his, on his own. He goes to grieve. The next thing that we see is that there's the feeding of the 5,000, and that's beside, that's beside women and children. So could it have been 20,000 people? I don't know. It's a lot of people. And Jesus miraculously provides their physical needs. He gives them food, but he's on his way from that miracle that working of power, he's on his way to another working of power. And this other working of power is where everyone who touches the hem of his clothes, his garment, is going to be made well. But in the middle, in the, in, the, in the middle of that working of power and another working of power, he wants to do a working of power in the disciples. So immediately he sends them out. Immediately he pushes them into the boat, which means at once we fed them. Great. Get into the boat. Go. And they're out there alone. Jesus isn't with them in the boat at this time. (laughs) And I don't know if you know this, but the disciples have have actually been here before. If you read the Gospel of Matthew, uh, then you'll see uh, earlier that Jesus had put them into the boat before. He had had said in Matthew 8, he was actually sleeping on the boat in the previous encounter. Jesus in Matthew chapter 8 was sleeping and the wind and waves were coming against the ship. And they said, Lord, save us. We're perishing. And they were starting to rock him to try and wake him up. And he, and he gets up and he says, oh, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea. And there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? So actually, they'd been in this position before and they've failed. They've been in this test before, even while Jesus was on the boat physically, and they'd failed. So Jesus wants to know, has the faith increased? We've been around this. He's fed the 4,000. He's put them on the boat. He was there. He's done another working of power. He's now fed the 5,000. He puts them on the boat. He's not in the boat, but now he's going to send them across to Gennesaret. He's going to meet them there. And he's going to another working of power. So it's the same test. There are some tests that the Lord will continue to do in your life. Continue. Has anyone felt like they've walked around a mountain? I've been around this mountain before. Well, don't cast that experience away. Don't neglect it because you feel like, oh, I'm here again. Because there's some people who fail and fall back. And there's other people like Samuel who, when they miss the voice of God, when they miss the call of God, they go and lie down again. Lord, if you just call me again. Lord, if you just speak to me again, I may have missed it the first time, but if you put me there again, I may have missed my opportunity to share the gospel with that person, but God, send me another one. God, I may have uh, not done what you told me to do, but if you put me there again, I'm not going to fail, Lord. I'm not going to fail this time. Put me there again. I'm going to go and lie down again, but I want to cross over with the Lord into a higher realm. I want to move from where I've been I want to go to somewhere new in God where there's a shift and there's a, there's a greater sense of faith and there's a greater sense of expectation. And the Lord wants to put us back on that boat today and, and He wants to test us. And that's what this last storm has been. We've been in COVID-19. We've had pestilences, famines. And how many of us have been still in the boat going, we're going to die! But God puts us back in the boat. He puts us back in the position where we're dependent. And we need to pass this test. The great anointing that's coming for the bride won't come until we've been through the testings and been through the trials and we've been faithful and full of faith in the midst of the storms. God tests us. 
he puts us back again. And there's a cycle. Power, you've seen my power. Go into the boat. There's more power. Power, back into the boat, more power. God wants to hone us. Now, I just want to tell you something, by the way. Um, the sea in the Bible always talks about trouble and trial. So in the book of Revelation 22, 1, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. It's not actually saying that there's going to be no more ocean. We know the first place that Jesus appeared after he was raised was actually by the water. What it's actually saying is that in that new kingdom, there is no trial, there is no trouble. But in this world, we will have trials. In this world, there will be trouble. The Lord told us ahead of time. I don't know why we're so surprised. So he puts them in a boat and sends them out into a storm. And they're being beaten against the wave. The wind seems like it's against them. It's a slog. This is hard work. Fresh wind, Lord, fresh wind. But the wind's coming the other way. But Jesus wanted to meet them in the storm in a way that he couldn't have met them if he was in the boat. God will sometimes push you out and so you feel isolated and you feel alone. Sometimes he clears the room so that everything else that you thought or you thought you knew about God leaves the room and suddenly it's just you and him. And when God brings you into that space, that's the powerful place because that's the place of revelation. But listen to this. It says he was praying and he was waiting. The disciples are in the boat. They should have known that if they're in the boat, they're away from the crowds, they should be praying because they've just seen Jesus do that. They've just seen John the Baptist die. Jesus gets into a boat and he's praying alone. So if Jesus sends them into a boat, what do you think they should be doing if they are under discipline to become like the master? They should be praying. But they are so worried with practical things that they are distracted from what the master has been teaching. Don't be so caught up that you miss the pattern of Christ in the methods, in the moving, in the practical things. Stay centered on his word. So after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray and he was there alone. And the boat was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the water. So Jesus was there. Jesus was there praying. Like he's the son of God. How long does he pray for? Is it 10 hours? I don't know. But he would spend all through the night, he would pray. He would be in prayer all through the night. And why do we think that we've found a better way than the master? Why do we think that we've found a quicker way than the master than to labor on the threshing floor and pray? Why do we think that we only need to spend 10 minutes when the master spent 10 hours? He, he had complete assurance of who he was in God. He was God. He had complete assurance. And how much more in this time of troubling identity do we need to be in the Father's presence, hearing the Father's voice, hearing the Father's words, and be drowning out the distractions? Why do you think Jesus didn't fall? Because every other voice in his mind, every other sound was silent apart from his. But all the disciples could hear was, but Jesus was listening to the voice of the Father. He was in the Father. There is no secret to prayer other than the secret of prayer. There is no secret to prayer other than the prayer that is prayed in secret. The secret to prayer. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? The secret to prayer. <laughs> the secret to prayer 
is prayer that is prayed in secret. What you do in the secret place, what is unseen determines the things that are seen. What is hidden is what's made manifest. So whether it's evil or it's good, whether it's darkness or it's light, everything in the hidden realm manifests in the, in, in the open realm where people can see it. So if you've been spending time with the Father and you come into a difficult situation, what do you think is going to happen? The light that you've been dwelling in is going to manifest. If you've been filling your mind and your eyes with darkness, then when you come into the place of pressure, what begins to manifest? Darkness. But we are light in the Lord. You are not of this world. You have been bought with a great price. You are of a different kingdom. Your citizenship is in heaven. You don't have uh, a partaking. What fellowship does light have with darkness? God has no covenant. God has no peace covenant with Satan. So we dwell in the light as he is in the light. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, break down four, really quickly, I'm going to break down four key things in this text. So Peter steps out in the water. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter gets out of the boat. He walked on the water and came to Jesus. So I'm going to share four kingdom realities with you. They're going to help you move from the place of darkness into the kingdom of light. Um, from this text, we're going to expand internally because we're about to exp expand externally. But what I'm saying to you is if you do not stretch out the internal tabernacle, if you do not enlarge in the space of the internal tent, better to meet in the car park with a new anointing than to be in a bigger building with the old anointing. Better to be in the car park, park, car park in the open air with a greater measure because we've been enlarging the inner space and paying that price, than to be inside a, a great brand new building, but we're all at the same small measure of faith, and God has to take us around the mountain again. God has to take us back into the boat again. I don't want to be in the boat again. I want to pass this test. I'm sick of being on the same level. I want a new grace. I want a new anointing. I want a higher level. I want a new holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So four steps. We've got the revelation. Everyone say the revelation. We have the revelation. Then we have the call. Everyone say the call. Then we have the waiting. Thank you. And then the last step, we have the faith. Number one, the revelation. There is only power. I want you to hear me say this because this is so important. There is only power in the revelation of Jesus. Muslims pray, Buddhists chant, lots of people in, in the uh, satanic world spend more time on their knees than you do. Where's the power? Seriously, man, there's witches that sit on port hills and curse the city every Friday night while you're sleeping. Where's the power? The power is in the presence of Jesus. The power is in the revelation of Jesus. Prayer becomes powerful, tangible, helpful when we become aware of His presence. That's why we worship so often, because we're shifting our eyes onto Him. And when we have a, a full vision of Him, 
then things begin to change. I mean, the first step into a place of encounter, expansion, and victory is by divine revelation. Jesus is greater. Unless your vision can be filled with a picture of Jesus walking on the thing that holds you. So let me just say this to you. What binds you does not bind the master. What holds you does not hold the master. What limits you does not limit the master. You have to have a vision that Jesus is above and greater than the thing that seeks to kill you. You have to have a revelation. The thing we should seek and ask for is the revelation of Jesus. And with that blessed promise that if we seek Him with all our hearts, then you will find Him. If you seek Him with all of your heart, all of your heart, then you will find Him. I remember asking my grandmother one time, I said, Grandmother, she's like 80 years old. I said, how am I going to make it? Because <laughs> that seems like a long way. <laughs> and she just said, and I thought at the time this was trivial. She said, just keep your eyes on him. And the older that I get, the more I'm beginning to realize that the, 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 the more the battle comes against me, the more my vision is compressed, the more that that is the major focus that my life needs to pursue, that I just need to keep him before me. I have set you always before me, and because you are at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Psalm, four, uh, Psalm 16. When we set the Lord, he's not just beside us, but we have to set him before us. We have to place Jesus before us. So then the second thing is the call. Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Now notice for a second, I just want to encourage you. Look at the way that the closest disciples of Jesus refer to Jesus. Very, very seldom will you ever hear a disciple who's close to the Lord just say, Oh, Jesus, Lord, Lord. Twice in this text, Lord, if it is you, Lord, Save me. We don't realize this, but titles are actually portals into the realm of grace. Do you know that? When you say, Lord Jesus, for every heart that believes and confesses with their mouth that Jesus says what? Lord will be saved. So salvation, grace is accessed through the confession that Jesus isn't just Jesus, but Jesus is Lord. And if he's not Lord, he's not Savior. So position enters you into the realm of saving grace. Position. So it's very, very important. It's good for you to pray and say, Jesus, I want you to touch my heart. It's far better for you to come and just say, Lord, Lord Jesus, give him the respect that he deserves. We don't call the Spirit just the Spirit. We call him Holy Spirit because it dictates the way that we relate to him. Lord Jesus, the grace of the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, every time you see miracles released, watch the way that people relate to Him. They come and fall before Jesus and saying, Lord, if you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Just speak the word. Lord, I'm submitting to your authority. Lord. Okay, so Peter calls out, Lord, if it is you, command me to come. Okay, so the place of expansion into the things of God is always triggered by a call. There's a calling out. So you have a revelation, and then you come into a calling. It's a calling out. It's a crying out. Lord, command me to come. Matthew 8, 2. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Luke 18, 38. Son of David, have mercy on me. Even Isaiah 6. Here I am. Send me, Lord. It's a call. It's a calling out. So once there's a revelation, 
there's a calling out. But this is where people break down. Because people go straight from the calling out, they go straight into the action. They miss the next step. They go straight into the action. Lord, okay, great, let's go. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. There's the revelation. There's the calling. And then number three, there's the waiting on the word. The waiting on the word. This is where we come to the place of empowerment. Okay, so Peter, think about this, okay? Peter's the only one who, who gets to get out of the boat. He's the only one. Every other disciple is limited and confined to their experience and to their safe place. And the only one who gets to lead the boat is the one who waited on the word. Wait on the word. Wait on the word. Wait on the word. Don't just leave. Wait for the word. That one word from Jesus, <laughs> the one word from Jesus was enough to bring substance under his feet. So we, we don't realize this. Peter is not walking on the water. Peter is not walking on the ocean. Peter is walking on the word. Peter is walking on one word from Jesus. And if we don't wait for the word, we're going to step out into the natural and the flesh helps no one. So we wait for the Word to become real, to become alive, to become tangible. And when the Word of the Lord comes, we step because we have substance under our feet. The Word of God. I just think today we are so unskilled in handling the Word of God. Many people miss the voice of the Lord because they don't know what He sounds like. And how do you know that you've got a Word from God? Because it's the Word of God. Don't ask God to speak to you if your Bible's closed. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. Many people miss this. My sheep, it's so simple, John 10, 27. Hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. This is the description of a believer. It's one who hears the Word of God, who's known by God and who follows that Word. Are you a disciple today? My, are you a sheep of Jesus? Because there's two clarifications. You're known by Him. You're naked before Him. He knows everything. And you're known in that way. And secondly, you hear the voice of the Lord and you follow Him. You wait for the Word. You don't just jump. You don't just jump over the gate. You don't just jump over the fence. You don't just show up at the wedding feast without, without having a, a, a wedding, a, what was it, a, a wedding robe. You have to wait. You have to wait for the Word. And how long does it take? I don't know. Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it a year? You're waiting. Even David said, shall I pursue them? While he's writing, God, let, me, let your enemies be scattered. He sits and he waits and says, Lord, shall I pursue? Isn't he, just, isn't he the general of the Lord? Can't he just chase out the enemies of God? Wait. Wait. Wait on the Word. Wait till it becomes life. This is why people confess the Word and they never get healed. Because you step out onto a Word that Jesus never gave you. Every time I've, I've been down to the beach, man, I've tried to step out into the water. Okay, I have. I'm like, right, God. And I've stepped, right? <laughs> I don't know, it's just me? Just, just me, okay. <laughs> it's just me. Oh, sorry, guys, yeah. <laughs> 
But there's the mistake. I'm stepping out onto Peter's word. I'm not stepping out onto my word that God gave me. If Jesus gives you a word, then you'll find substance. And number four, before we close, we'll have Sash back on the band. Thanks, Sash. I like the keys, by the way. There's a connection in the word of God between Elisha said, bring me a harp. And when that started to play, bang, it says the spirit of the Lord came upon him. So I don't have a problem with the keys playing. Because there's a connection between music and the presence, or coming into the presence of the Lord. Okay, so faith, number four. So you're tracking with me. Number one, what is it? Revelation, number two. Yep, the call, number three. Waiting on the word, well done. Number four is faith. Okay, faith, what happens when the word comes? So the word of God, I just want to tell you this. This is not an atmosphere of faith. This is the atmosphere of faith. So if I live with an open Bible in my hand and I'm going, God, speak to me. I'm living in the atmosphere of faith. So if I gather with other believers who are doing the same, what happens? It becomes an atmosphere of faith because I'm in an atmosphere of faith. Smith Wigglesworth said he wouldn't go for half an hour, 15 minutes without praying or reading the word. And signs and miracles followed this guy's life. It's powerful, man. It's powerful. The word of God is a light into my feet, for the entrance to thy word is light. God's word is powerful. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And when the word of God comes into your hand, man, I'm telling you, demons begin to flee. They don't fear you. They fear God. So if you have his word, they run not because of you. They run because you carry the word of the Lord. And the word of God is powerful. It's active. It's, it's, it's transformative. There's no pleasing God without faith, and there's no faith without the Word. So listen to this. It is the prayer of faith that shall save the sick, James 15, 5, 15. There's no pleasing God without faith, Hebrews eleven six. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, then you shall move mountains, Matthew 17, 20. There's no walking on the water if there's little faith. That's faith. God, give us the faith. But the faith will come, okay? Everyone say, faith comes. Faith comes. Faith's a traveler. Faith is a traveler, yo. Let me tell you this right now. Faith will come where there's the Word. Faith will follow the Word. So if you're living in an environment of the Word and you're saying, God, oh, I don't have the faith. You shouldn't be asking for the faith. He never said to chase the faith. He said, listen to my Word. Heed my Word. Store up my Word. Die Word have I hid in my heart so that I will not sin against the Lord. Thy word, I tuck it inside and I keep it in that secret place where no devil can find it. And I say, Lord, if you just speak to me, Lord, if you just give me a word, if you just tell me to come, then I'll come, Lord, even if it seems impossible. Signs and wonders are going to follow the word. Jesus sends him out to preach the word and he says that the, the miracles will follow you. Oh God, make us students again of your word. The word of God is a light. The word of God is a light and the spirit of God will hover until there comes a word. He will not speak of his own. He will only speak of what he hears. And so if you're not in His Word, how are you living in that atmosphere of faith? How can you shift mountains? Do you know why Peter fails? 
He fails because he loses focus on the Word. Jesus is beside him, but I've put you always before me, Lord. You've filled my vision. Peter fails because he becomes afraid because the Word of God slips out of his hand. He forgets what to do with it. And the substance underneath his feet begins to give way, begins to sink. And the Lord says, why did you doubt? I gave you a word. Listen to this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... Say it proud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the... Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Substance means the real physical matter of which a thing exists. So it's, it's the substance of hope. If you pull apart hope, underneath hope, the thing that's making hope function, it's faith. It's the substance. So faith is the sub, which means understands, which means I can stand upon it. So the word brings faith, which is the substance, but it's also the evidence. Evidence means the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or proposition is true or valid. So faith is the real physical matter of hope. It's the tangible information that we have that what we have believed is true. It's tangible. It's real. It's evidence. Faith is both a physical matter and it also is a real indication that the word you have believed from God is true. So if we get His word, then the faith's going to come and it's actually the sign of the Lord saying, yep, the message you've received from me is accurate. So when Peter steps out onto the waves, he's stepping onto a word and faith comes because the word of Jesus is accurate. I believe what you've said, God. I believe what you've said in your word. I be- oh, it's become personal. There should be so much of the word in you that if you ever have to go to the doctors, if you ever have to be cut open, they'll find a scripture which says, He was wounded for my transgressions. He was pierced for my iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought me peace. And by His stripes, I am healed. It should be in you. And then faith will flow through you. God's Word. I want you just to come today with me. Come to God's Word. We don't serve the Word of God, but by the Word of God, we serve Him. We don't chase just the Word of God. We are chasing Jesus. We're trying to pursue the Master, and He's given us the Word. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the hidden, sorry, the secret things belong to the Lord. The revealed things. These are the revealed things. They belong to us and our children forever. Would you stand with me this morning?